parliament up in flames and a feud between the judiciary and the executive. And 2022 has only just begun. Welcome back to SMWX. Let's get started. The Cizwe Mbofu Welsh Experience Podcast. Spread the fire fam, welcome back to SMWX. If you're new around here, my name is Dr. Sizwe Mbofu Walsh and on this channel, the Sizwe Mbofu Walsh Experience or SMWX, we explore South African politics through interviews and analysis. Hope you've all been well, happy new year. And we kick off this new year with a video about the feud between Minister Lindiwe Sisulu and Acting Chief Justice Raymond Zondor, which has turned into a broader debate about South Africa's constitution, its judiciary and legal system itself. And in this video, I want to break down how this feud began. Then I want to analyze Minister Sisulu's article as well as Acting Chief Justice Zondo's response to the article. I won't be looking into anything beyond that because there've been responses to responses and everyone in their dog has written an op-ed but I'd like to approach this question from a different angle to give you some new insights. You know on this channel we, we like to go a level deeper than you might find in traditional analysis, at least, that, at least that's the hope and the aim. So let's get started with part one where we look at the genesis of this dispute. The Cizwe Mbofu Welsh Experience, SMWX. Okay, so on the 7th of January, 2022, Minister Lindiwe Sisulu, a high-ranking politician in the ANC, as well as the government, wrote an op-ed entitled, Haim Zanzi, Have We Seen Justice Yet? And that op-ed was broken down into five different parts. It explored in its introduction, essentially the fact that injustices can be legalized, before questioning whether South Africa's constitution has presided over or whether injustices have happened under the guise of the South African constitution. It suggests that various politicians and political forces have co-opted the constitution in order to pursue their own private gain. It says that uh, politicians have effectively sold out those uh, sections, the, the third section also deals with questions of economic reconciliation and says that South Africa needs economic reconciliation. Those sections, while there are some controversial lines, were not what caught the public attention or at least the media attention. It was the final two sections of that op-ed, firstly which dealt with whether the constitution and South Africa's legal order uh, were capable of pursuing justice and finally whether judges themselves um, were participants in the injustices of South Africa and in fact participants in South Africans oppression and there was some very strong language about uh, judges effectively playing the role of their oppressors. Now you know, much hysteria has ensued. And so after the publication of this op-ed, there was just a, 
a deluge of opinions and, 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 and articles from uh, all and sundry. But I want to try and analyze Sisulu's article, uh, explain what I think its uh, weaknesses are, but also, also talk about some of the importance of constitutional critique, even if I don't think that this was the best form of it, um, and try to move away from the hysteria towards a deeper debate about the extent to which the, the constitution has uprooted apartheid and colonialism and whether that's a productive debate for South Africa to be having now. The Cizwe Mbofu Walsh Experience, SMWX. Okay, so let's take a look at the op-ed. There's a link below and you've probably read it by now. Now, let me just be clear. Um, there were allegations of plagiarism leveled against uh, Minister Sisulu in a, in a response article she wrote, not linked to this op-ed, that seemed pretty clear. Looks like there was plagiarism from the uh, Attorney General of the United Kingdom. Um, so that's just inexcusable. Um, I'm not talking about that. I, I wanna talk about um, the first article um, but I do just want to uh, outline up front that politicians plagiarizing other politicians or, or even uh, thinkers and scholars is just uh, not, not the way to do things at all. Um, so that's unfortunate. But let's look at this debate because what I'm really interested in, in is the way that this issue um, reflects on and refracts a wider and a deeper debate beyond Sisulu and Zondo. Ultimately, I think that it's appropriate for all members of society and yes, even members of the executive or high-ranking members of political parties to uh, criticize the constitution and criticize even the judiciary in ways that are useful and productive, but not just in that narrow band of useful and productive, but I think that we should allow a wide range of expression particularly as it pertains to the uh, constitution and the judiciary uh, because they wield great power and the constitution is a really important document. So I tend to err on the side of allowing a wider range of expression. And I think that some of the critique of Sisulu's article, although it came from a good place, veered, uh, veered towards an attempt to silence all critique of the constitution. And I think rather we should have a spirited debate about the constitution rather than uh, attempt to shame or silence those people who uh, air their misgivings, uh, whether rightly or wrongly. And I think that uh, it's perfectly fine for people to disagree uh, vehemently with uh, Minister Sisulu, but I just worry that we might create um, a consensus in media circles that does not uh, does not quite coordinate with broader po popular or public sentiment about the constitution or the judiciary and uh, by limiting the debate to uh, a narrow set of dogmas and agreements in media and even judicial or even legal circles 
we failed to give the, the wider South African public a deep debate about the Constitution 30 years into democracy. So what I think was useful, and here I'm trying to be fair because I think we need to look at this question from multiple angles. What I think was useful about the article, maybe even despite itself, was that it initiated an important public de debate, reinitiated a debate about the Constitution's ability to take South Africa from its oppressive past into some kind of fundamentally new direction. Do I agree that the article did that successfully? No, I don't. And so I think there were also various weaknesses that would have to be um, admitted when you look at Sisulu's article. Um, and again, I've already spoken about subsequent articles where, where plagiarism seems to be fairly obvious, but just looking at the original article, one thing that troubles me about it is a vagueness which allows uh, so many potential interpretations that it's, it's actually not clear what is being said. So I think there's equivocation. In other words, um, th there's an ambiguity or it's not clarified whether the object of Sisulu's critique is the constitutional text or constitutional court judgments or just judgments in general or judgments of the High Court or the Supreme Court of Appeal or whether it's the legal system itself and the different sources of law that inform that system, whether that's the common law or customary law, or case law or statute um, or the constitution itself, or whether the object of criticism is legal culture itself. And one's also not sure whether in fact the object of criticism is the legal justice system which extends beyond uh, legal texts and sources of law right into institutions like the NPA and the police and all those institutions which encompass uh, the system of justice in South Africa. Now all those different uh, spheres of legal life um, are objects of legitimate critique but it seemed to me that the article uh, slipped between all those different things, clumped them into one large problem and said that all of, all of those different things were somehow responsible for South Africa's failures. And I'm not convinced that all of those things are, are the same. Uh, there's a critique of the constitution and the constitutional text, which has been made uh, by, by fantastic scholars from Mahobe Ramose to Tsepo Maldingozi. There's also a critique of constitutional jurisprudence but those two things you know, are different and one would have to outline exactly what it is about the constitutional text or what it is about uh, constitutional court judgments or what it is about South African legal culture that is playing this causal role in perpetuating injustice and inequality in our society. And in addition to the vagueness about what the object of critique was, whether it's judges or the constitutional legal culture, it. it what we didn't get reading that, that op-ed was, was the link between the problem and how the problem actually causes the injustices that we see in the present. And there you would have to go on and say 
um, exactly which judgments said what and how they actually caused this problem. I think there's an argument to be made, you know, not every constitutional court judgment has has forwarded the frontiers of justice and freedom, but you have to explain which ones, why and where. And I think the, the criticism that uh, the analysis of what is wrong with the constitutional order uh, stopped simply at assertion is, is fair. To be honest, uh, op-eds are very short, uh, not often very rigorous uh, documents or, or forms of writing in and of themselves. You don't have to reference an op-ed, you can just summa, say whatever you like. So it's not exactly the most um, rigorous form of scholarship or writing. Um, and politicians' op-eds are hardly ever uh, deeply researched. However, um, in public discourse, we can still criticize um, public statements, whether they are in op-ed form or, or, or otherwise. And so I think that was a problem, both the vagueness of what the problem was um, that Sisulu was identifying and also uh, failing to show the causal link between this problem and the South African present. Um, I think there are legitimate arguments about the constitution, which I make in my book, for example, but then you have to go through the steps of actually demonstrating how this affects the present. Um, and that's something that you have to do in order to, to have your argument um, hold water. The second uh, problem I had was, was a kind of meta problem with the article, which was uh, a lack of reflexivity, which was, in other words, uh, Sisulu failing to acknowledge that she herself was one of these quote politicians um, that she talks about. So she says politicians have sold out, politicians do this and politicians do that. And this is a broader problem with ANC politicians. Uh, they speak often as if they have not been the politicians who are the politicians for the better part of 30 years. So. What I would have liked to have seen is for Sisulu to have said, look, I acknowledge that I have been at the uh, heart of South African government for three decades and that I too have uh, played a role in the executive that has uh, you know, largely failed South Africans. However, uh, despite the failures of the executive and despite the failures of the ANC, I also believe that there are these structural problems which I've seen up close as a, as a member of the executive, which prevent X, Y, and Z. We didn't get any of that. We didn't even get mention of the ANC. We just got mention of politicians. And so ANC leaders, I think, have in some ways become so detached from political reality that they fail to see how implicated they are in the broader political crisis um, that affects South Africa. And that crisis is structural. Uh, it has to do with problems that the ANC inherited, to be sure, but the ANC has also failed to overturn the structural crisis and in many ways made it worse. So I, I would have liked to have seen a much more self-reflective uh, attempt to locate uh, Sisulu herself in the problems that she was identifying and then explaining why even though she may be a compromised voice. She still thinks it's important to um, to address constitutional questions. So, I mean, 
I think you've heard a lot about all the other stuff that's in the article, but those for me were some of the interesting, but also uh, some of the points of criticism that I think uh, perhaps have gone slightly missing in the hysteria of the public debate. So let me move on then to Zondo's response in his press conference to uh, Minister Sisulu. The Sizwe Mbofu Walsh Experience, SMWX. So, Acting Chief Justice Raymond Zondo calls a press conference to respond to Minister Sisulu's op-ed. Now, in some ways I get the impulse. Um, you know, the judiciary feels as though it's under siege. Um, I'm not sure if that's really, I think that's a little exaggerated, but there have certainly been, you know, inflammatory statements from politicians. Um, I would argue that in virtually every democracy, um, in virtually every era, there are inflammatory statements by politicians about judges, the judiciary and constitutions. But what we had was this very interesting spectacle of, of an acting chief justice uh, taking to a public platform via a, a public broadcast and actually speaking to the nation. Was this wise? Was this useful? Was this necessary? Um, I've already uh, said that I think that there were various problems with the op-ed that was penned by the minister. But I'm not convinced that in any world it's it's advisable for the chief justice of a country to uh, assume a huge public platform and respond to an op-ed, even if that op-ed comes from a very senior and powerful politician. And, and here's why. Firstly, I think that uh, judges are by their very nature prone to anger politicians with their decisions. If you decide a divisive issue one way, everyone says that you're in the pockets of the people who you decided the issue for. If you decide it the other way, then you get criticism from you know the opposing side. Uh, if you decide if, if you if you decide a case you know in favor of a black person, uh, white South Africans think it's racial solidarity. If you decide a case in favor of a white person, uh, black South Africans you know might say well. You know, you, you, you're uh, expressing your internalized oppression. Uh, if you find for, you know, someone who's been said to be corrupt, then you're corrupt. You know, the nature of judicial decision making, especially at the highest level, is to anger powerful people. And those powerful people are apt and likely to respond. And so what I think is dangerous is setting a precedent that when powerful people uh, write opinion pieces about the judiciary, that the judiciary feels that it has to respond to those opinion pieces in order to retain its legitimacy. And here I think that maybe um, ACJ Zondo miscalculated the amount of support that, they, that there is for judges and for the judiciary. Judges don't need to uh, respond and, and write op-eds in, in return or, or, or take to public platforms in order to preserve their legitimacy. 
we see the work that they do they do excellent work by and large uh, the judiciary has been in many ways uh, the the most untainted arm of the state over the last decade when you look at the massive corruption in the executive and the the uh, impotence of the legislature so i don't think the judiciary needs to worry that somehow uh, obviously political statements from ministers will somehow tarnish its image and, and that it needs to defend this image uh, you know with all it has in in, in the public um, as the chief justice being the political head of this institution um, i just think that we can have this debate in public without the chief justice uh, descending to the political realm and being one of the key participants because the danger of doing that is, is when you do descend into the political realm then you are um, open to the kind of criticism that is usually reserved for for politicians and that in many ways can tarnish the image of the judiciary or even uh, the office of the chief justice more than silence often ever can for example someone smashed the constitutional court's windows with a hammer and and the constitutional court responded with a discreet statement effectively saying you know that this was a terrible thing and that you know the judiciary remains resolute uh, in guarding the constitution and that i think was appropriate um, but Minister Sisulu's op-ed, I think a week later or, or, or just over a week later, comes out and we have a different kind of response. This time it's a press conference. Why a press conference now and not for the smashing of the windows of the Constitutional Court, which in many ways is, 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 is more worrying to me. I mean, ministers will write op-eds and opine till the cows come home. I'm kind of worried about the actual integrity of the constitutional court building and, and what was behind that smashing of the windows um, so effectively what zondo did was he opened himself up to the question what merits this unprecedented press conference when other similarly momentous events don't get this kind of press conference why now and when could we expect something similar in future because one thing we definitely don't want is a weekly press conference from the from the chief justice a monthly or even an annual press conference and i don't think that zondo exactly answered that someone asked him why now why not you know before or after and he, he just said well you have to balance things well how do you balance things what were the criteria that were used to balance things uh, what is the decision-making process that leads to uh, that leads to a press statement versus um, you know coming out with a, a whole press conference? Um, that was never clarified, and it's still unclear to me what merits a press conference and what merits a press statement and what merits silence. Uh, if it's just freestyling, then I think that's strange and bizarre, and I would want more certainty from the judiciary around how they engage with the public. I'm not saying the judges should never speak out and I'm not saying there are not circumstances which are so egregious and uh, create such an emergency that the Chief Justice might actually need to speak to the nation. I'm just not sure an op-ed is, is that. And uh, Zondo uh, tried to suggest that it was uh, this massive insult to, to the judiciary, this massive insult to all black judges. Um, I'm not convinced that 
this was any more insulting than things that ANC politicians have already said in the past. Um, and so I think it was unprecedented for the Chief Justice to come out uh, and respond to an op-ed. Yes, Chief Justices have actually come out and spoken to the nation before, as I said, um, but it's extremely rare and it's never been for an op-ed. Um, so for example, the former Chief Justice Mohoing Mohoing um, called a press conference flanked by all judges president of the country and various constitutional court judges uh, after the government effectively flouted a court ruling um, uh, relating to uh, Omar al-Bashir's presence in South Africa, which is against, effectively against the law and the government was ordered to arrest him and they didn't affect that arrest and al-Bashir fled the country. Uh, that is a huge matter between you know the executive and the judiciary and major geopolitical implications left right and center major domestic political implications it has to do with the decision of the government to actively disregard a ruling of uh, a high a very high court it was the supreme court of appeal in that instance i believe that's not an op-ed uh, that's a really different uh, category of of offense so I can see why, you know, the Chief Justice would call a press conference if, if the Ramaphosa government, for example, decided that, you know what, um, I'm just not going to follow one of your rulings. But if someone writes an op-ed, um, which is, has, you know, offensive uh, insinuations about judges and doesn't even name the judges specifically, um, I fail to see why that should attract the attention of the Chief Justice um, and should detain us with a press conference. I think um, the other question is what kinds of political action should a Chief Justice take? There's no doubt that the Chief Justice is effectively the political head of the judiciary, but they're a different type of political head than other political heads. The Chief Justice is not like the president of the ANC or even of the country where they represent the voices of their constituents. The Chief Justice doesn't, doesn't speak for all judges for all time. He's, there's no democratic centralism within the judiciary. Um, and it's not clear to me whether every single judge on whose behalf um, the Chief Justice spoke actually agrees or disagrees. And that's not the role of the Chief Justice anyway. It's not to speak for judges because judges have wide ranging opinions on a wide variety of issues. And the Chief Justice's role is far more administrative and not uh, so much representative. Um, in the sense of other political heads of institutions. So the question then becomes to what extent speaking on behalf of all judges or all black judges, uh, ACJ Zondo's remarks are actually representative or reflective. They may well be. It could be that every single black judge in the country, by the way, who I don't think was the subject of Susulu's article, um, I think that she specifically used the word some um, around, I think somewhere between in the fourth section, somewhere around the 23rd and 24th paragraphs, which are very contentious. Um, so it's not clear to me again that it's 
wise for a chief justice to constantly try to speak on behalf of all judges and the judiciary because they because the judiciary is a different political animal in terms of its makeup to other political formations and it can subject the chief justice to uh, the danger that some judge who disagrees and may have good reasons for disagreeing um, you know might might feel that he's or she or they are being spoken for um, and some clever journalist can go to such and such a judge and say well how did you feel and you know that judge might feel well the chief justice spoke out why can't i air my own opinions about this issue it just it leads to all kinds of political permutations that i think are excluded if either there's no press conference and we just all assume which i think is the appropriate assumption that the judiciary is concerned with its role its function and will carry it out as it has been carrying it out admirably or a short press statement as we often see from courts around the world saying that you know this is unacceptable or we disagree fundamentally with this and we won't be swayed does the job i'm not convinced um, after watching the the press conference that this press conference was wise useful or necessary the Cizwe Mbofu Walsh Experience, SMWX. I would add that that's not to say that I agree fully um, with the Sisulu article. That's why I had the earlier section here where I showed that I, that I disagree with, with many of its um, arguments. But I think there's a, a deeper problem, and this is where I'll end in South African politics now, where Everything anyone says is read through the factional politics of the ANC. So if, if you agree with one thing that Lindiwe Sisulu has ever done in her life, or, or you don't think that she's the devil incarnate for writing this, this opinion piece, then, then you are part of the anti-Ramaphosa faction, whatever that means. But if you agree with Zondo, then, then you are you know, President Cyril Ramaphosa spokesperson. The fact is that when political issues arise, sometimes you fall on one side and sometimes you fall on the other side. And sometimes your views align with one faction of the ANC and sometimes they align with none of the factions, which is usually the position I'm in. But I think it's really unfair for people to say, oh, well, uh, you agree with this one specific thing in South African politics, therefore you are RET or you are Ramaphosa and that's the end of the conversation. Who cares what the ANC factions say? The question is, what does the issue that, pre that is presented mean and how do we analyze it? And where do we really fall um, on the issue when we, when we think about it ourselves? And so that for me is key in going forward that we don't just assume that people are pursuing the agenda of an ANC faction when in fact uh, the best ANC faction to be a part of in my view is no ANC faction because I think the ANC itself is uh, on its deathbed uh, if it hasn't already died. So that's my view. Um, looking forward to your thoughts, looking forward to your view. What do you think about this question? Uh, did you agree with the article? Did you disagree with it? Did you agree with Zondo? Did you disagree with it? Did you think that actually it was a good thing that, that the Chief Justice should have got up, should have actually stated his case and said, you know, uh, 
symbolically that this far and no further or did you think it was unwise welcome back to smwx for 2022 look forward to your comments down below and uh, look forward to another year of engaging with you on this platform aye the Cizwe Mbofu Welsh Experience Podcast. Aye, aye, aye.